Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Hello everyone, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thanks for being here today. Really glad to have everyone here. Uh, just a couple announcements from me. First of all, uh, young adults, anyone post high school and not yet 30, meet every Friday night at 7 o'clock, and this week they're at the Hipschman's house. If you need information on how to get there, just send me an email, my contacts in the program. But our program is actually wrong this week. We meet like every other week at the church and then at someone's house, so uh, this week is at the Hipschman's house. Lyndon and Krista mentioned that we set aside 10% to give away to outreach and missions, and so we have an outreach coming up that we're going to be putting on a block party for the neighborhood. And I'm super excited about this. I've been part of these many times in the past. But the idea is that there are many kids in our community that will not be able to go to the fair. I mean, right? Because the fair takes time, takes money. And so there are many kids that will not be able to do that. And so we are essentially bringing the fair here. So we're going to have bouncy houses. We're going to have a bunch of games for the kids to play with prizes and uh, like a prize table. And we're also going to be doing a big cookout um, and give away food to the families. So it's real, I'm really excited about this. And uh, we're going to be putting it out in our front yard and inviting the neighborhoods around us to come to it. But we need about 50 volunteers to pull this off. So if you have ever been part of a, an outreach, you know how much fun those are. They're exhausting. But it is so much fun to, to watch these kids win like two liters of pop, you know, and carry those off and start drinking. It's, it's just awesome. And then, uh, but if you've uh, have never been part of an outreach before, I mean, this is an easy on outreach. We're not going to go out and build houses in Haiti. I mean, that's not happening this, this week. You just have to come and play a game or watch the bouncy house or, or serve some, some food, that kind of a thing. So I would encourage you, even if this is your first time, you are welcome to sign up and help us pull off this outreach. So that's coming up on Wednesday night, June 26th. And then uh, the week prior to that, on a Wednesday night, for just a couple hours, we're going to, on June 19th, we're going to be inviting the neighborhood. So we'll just be handing out flyers and, and inviting the, the kids in the neighborhood and the families in the neighborhoods to come. So if you're bold and you like going door to door or talking to strangers, you know, we need you. And if you're not one of those people, we'll partner you with someone who is, okay? So either way, we need people to help with that. And you can sign up for both of those outreaches on our website. Just go to uh, the events tab or stop by the Welcome Center and let them know that you're coming. We'll, we'll sign you up. Now today, we're going to be continuing our series, Tough Topics, but just a, a warning out there. If, there's a, if you have a young child in here, this, this topic may be a little much for some young ears. So if you want to take them out into the atrium at any time, that's fine. But our series is called Tough Topics, Living at Peace Without Compromising Scripture. And our key verse is Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I love that driving scripture because it's telling us we need to have a goal of living at peace, but also recognizing that it may not be possible uh, because we're not going to compromise scripture in the midst of that. And so there may be some people that we cannot live at peace with because it would take compromising scripture to get there. But our goal should be to live at peace with everyone. 
Last week, Lyndon Bontrager taught, did a great job on a message called Immigration, Would Jesus Build a Wall? He had two talking points. Uh, We are called to love our neighbors, and we will always have borders. And if you want to know the answer to that question, you're going to have to listen to the message. So just go online to our website, and you can listen to it there, or you can subscribe to our podcast. To open up today's topic, what I'd like to do is introduce us to a few words. Now, you may have heard these words before, but these are fairly new, coming out of, I don't think they're coming out of the Urban Dictionary. They might have made the actual dictionary now, some of them anyway. So I'm going to just give you the definition of, of, these, of each of these words. The first one is bay. My wife, Rose, is my bay. All right. Did I say it right? Is, is bay? Is, I don't know. Something like that. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm trying up here. I'm trying. But, so you might have heard that word before, but what you may not have known is that it stands for before anyone else. What it stands for. So my wife is before anyone else in my life. Another new word is lit. It's newer, right? This church is lit, right? <laughs> I know. I just, Krista's just shaking her head at me over here. I'm trying. I'm trying. It means super cool or on fire. That's what it means. The next one is goat. Michael Jordan is the goat. Now, when I was growing up, goat meant something totally different. You wouldn't say that about Michael Jordan. But now it means greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. Did you know that, Josh? Yeah, you knew that? You're just lit, aren't you? You just know these things. The next one's near and dear to me. It's salty. Where's my daughter? There she is. Yeah. Rebecca can be salty. That's how I'd use it in a sentence. I actually have used that many times in a sentence. It means angry or bitter about something. (laughs) Some people wear that with pride too, you know. So that's what salty means. And here's one I heard for the first time just like last week. It's yeet. (laughs) Yeet. How many of you heard that word? Yeah. Like, it's awful. It's an awful word. It's a stupid word. It means an exclamation of excitement, approval, surprise, or all-around energy, often as issued when doing a dance move or throwing something. So you just go, yeet! That's what you do. Or you just, yeet! Yeet! (laughs) I can't dance. I'm sorry. That was my attempt. Woo! Yeah, was that lit? Lit. So we're all now a little more culturally aware. That's good. You know, so there are some shifts that happen as as generations move. Sometimes they're good. I mean, sometimes technology shifts. Like, I'm I'm so excited that I can actually play music off of my Apple Watch versus having to carry a boombox around, you know, when I go for a run. You know, that's, that's exciting. But then sometimes those generational and cultural shifts aren't so cool. Like the word yeet. I'm hoping we never use that one ever again. I'm hoping this is it, you know, that it doesn't make it, you know, into Hollywood and everybody starts saying it. That would be awful. <laughs> Just let it die. Just let yeet die. Just let it die. But there is another cultural shift that we're going to be talking about today, and it's not a good shift. It's a shift towards unconcern with complete nudity. And it really is happening in our culture today. There is a growing number of nude beaches all around the United States. 
It used to be they were just in other countries, but now they're showing up all over the place in the United States. And even if you go to a regular beach, there's not a lot of clothing going on anymore. I mean, they're like removing half the, of the half, anyway, of a swimsuit. There you go. It's awful. <laughs> and then there's a movement within our culture uh, where women, some women, are feeling that they should be able to go shirtless just like guys. It's no big deal. You know, this this everybody's equal concept. And then on a lot of TV shows and movies, clothing is becoming more or less optional. We're even seeing where people are using nudity to promote politics or political agendas. In a recent Yahoo News article, Emily Ratajkowski poses naked in protest of U.S. abortion laws. So it went on to say that model Emily Ratajkowski is one of the latest celebrities to take to social media to highlight concerns over the restrictive abortion laws announced in Alabama in the United States. The 27-year-old made her statement loud and clear by sharing a near-naked photo and getting a lot of likes and a lot of hits and promoting her political agenda. There also was a, a recent article in Harper's Bazaar. It was titled, Kylie Jenner Nearly Bears It All in a $16,900 Orange Naked Dress. So they have a, a term for this. It's called a naked dress. Kylie Jenner ended Memorial Day weekend dressed as the real-life embodiment of the fire emoji. The 21-year-old beauty mogul stepped out in a super sultry and super sheer orange look by Julian McDonald for dinner in Los Angeles on Monday night, and you know she had to flaunt the look on Instagram too. See, there's this new trend that the clothing is not like nearly see-through, it is just see-through. Basically, nudity. And this is alarming, but you know what actually alarms me even more? It's the number of Christians who are okay or becoming okay with this trend. As an example, there's a TV series out called Game of Thrones, which many, many Christians have watched or are watching. It's the most popular TV series in HBO history, has an average audience of 23 million people per episode. The final season is expected to have around a billion people watching it around the world. But get this, in the, its uh, 67 episodes, there were 82 nude scenes, 82 nude scenes. In the first 10 episodes alone, in its first season, there were 19 nude scenes. It's rated TVMA, which makes it sound less problematic, right? But TVMA actually just means rated R. It's just rated R on the TV. TVMA allows them to show complete female nudity and complete male nudity. Most HBO, Cinemax, and Netflix-created shows, which there are a ton of those today, are rated TVMA. I mean, if, you're, if you have one of those, just scroll through and look. Series after series after series are TV MA. And then in movies, recently, one of the highest grossing rated R movies that came out was Fifty Shades of Grey, which is really just a movie about nudity and sex. But it's not just TV shows and movies, it's video games as well. There's a, a, an M rating for mature, and most of the time this is just for, you know, graphic violence, but um, 
it also allows for graphic nudity. And it's more than just TV and, and movies and video games. Obviously, we've all heard about and know about pornography, which is prevalent throughout our society. It's a huge problem. 40 million Americans are regular viewers of porn sites. Think about that. 40 million Americans. And if you're a parent, here's a startling statistic. 82% of children are exposed to inappropriate material or pornography by the age of 11. In fact, the average age of children viewing pornography is now 11 years old. It's the average age is 11. And we thought that pornography was a problem just for men, but it's not anymore. 33% of women under 25 years old search for porn at least once a month. So it's not just men anymore. We have a problem in our society. And it's a trend and a push towards the normalization of nudity because we see it all the time. But that's not what God intended. It's not what God wants. And I could be idealistic standing up here as a pastor, but I do believe that it's a trend that we can stop in our lives, in our families, and in our churches. I think we can go against this cultural trend and push towards God's standard. I believe that we can fight against this, and I believe that we can actually win this war in our lives. So today we are going to look at a couple of biblical truths that we can hold on to as our culture continues this slide towards nudity and sexual immorality. So the title is Nudity and Modesty Going Counterculture. And I'm going to pray, and then I'll give you a couple of points that you can fill in on your handout. So let me pray. So God, we come to you and we pray, Lord, that your words would speak to our hearts today. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and to convict where we need conviction, to encourage where we need encouragement, Father, to enlighten us where we need enlightenment. So minister to us, Lord, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, two points. You can fill these in on your handouts. Number one, God's standard is absolute sexual purity. God's standard is absolute sexual purity. Ephesians 5, 1 through 3 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. God's expectation is there to not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Now, in the Old Testament, when they talked about sexual immorality, they were talking about sexual contact with someone who was not your spouse. Okay, that was the definition of it. But that definition was broadened by Jesus. Jesus cared more about our hearts and our minds than he even did about our actions because he knew that all of our actions started on the inside. So Jesus dealt with the source. He said, talking about our hearts in Luke chapter 6, he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So when we talk about sexual immorality, Jesus 
didn't stop at the act of sexual immorality. He went inside to our hearts and our minds. In chapter 5 of Matthew, Jesus says, You have heard it said that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And I'll be honest with you, you know, even as a pastor, if I'm watching some of the TV shows or the movies that are out there with graphic nudity, that's going to cause lust in my heart, in my mind. It just is. Nudity, Nudity is supposed to be reserved between a husband and a wife. That was God's original design, and that's God's intention. In the Old Testament, there was a a man named Job. There's a whole book of Job, and you can kind of read his story. But he was known as a a super righteous guy. And I believe that one of the reasons he was known as a righteous man was because of this statement he made in Job chapter 31, verse 1. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. So that's what Job did. He decided early on, he said, you know what? I'm going to be careful about what I look at, what I see. And that's a start for us. If we want to have that kind of righteousness in our lives, where God's standard is absolute sexual purity, we're going to have to monitor what goes into our hearts through our eyes. Now, I know that that can be a difficult decision in our society today, you know, because it's everywhere. And it's also going to take sacrifice because personally, I would love to watch the TV series uh, Game of Thrones. They have dragons and it's kind of cool looking, you know, but because of what I've heard about it and read about it, I just had to say, no, I'm not going to allow that or the chance of that to come into my heart through my eyes to my heart. I love this scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, as I was reading that scripture and putting this message together, I felt like God wanted to say to someone here, actually during this service, you may be struggling with sin in your life or that one sin, and it's all about what you're allowing into your heart. Okay? Because I know there may be someone here who is like, I just want to win this battle with this one sin. But you haven't been able to do that because you've allowed and continue to allow certain things into your heart through your eyes, through what you listen to, through what you watch. So that's just... Hopefully, that that was for someone today. What we allow into our heart through our eyes, it matters. It matters. What we watch at the movies, what we watch on our TVs, what we watch on our computers. And by the way, 75% of all pornography is viewed on these, on on our cell phones. What we watch on our cell phones. So I think we should be more like Job. Make a covenant with our eyes and say, no, I'm not going to allow that into my heart. And there's three ways that I think we can do that. Number one is, first of all, we just need to repent. 
You know, if we've allowed this into our hearts and our minds, if we've entertained it, we need to repent. The good news is that Jesus will forgive us. 1 John 1, 8-9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Repent means to turn from. And so that's the beginning, is we need to acknowledge that we have sinned. That this is not something that I should be watching. Not something I should be entertaining myself with. And you turn from it. Confess it to God. And he forgives you. But the second thing we need is we need accountability. Accountability. We need to be accountable to somebody else. So make a plan. Decide. Okay, I'm, I'm repenting. I'm turning from this. And this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm not going to do. For me, I've decided I cannot watch a rated R movie if it has nudity in it. I cannot watch a TV MA TV show unless I know that it doesn't have nudity in it. Or play an M-rated video game. But for you, you have to decide. Make a plan. And then tell somebody about it. Tell somebody and say, hey, can you hold me accountable to this? This is, my, this is what I'm convicted to. Will you hold me accountable to it? And then you tell them your successes and then you tell them your failures. Because they will pray for you. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins. Confess your failures to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There was a time in my life when I struggled with viewing pornography. But it was through, it was through accountability that I was healed. Through the, the confession of when I failed and somebody checking up on me. And I don't struggle with it now. Accountability brought healing to that situation. Now, I will tell you. If, if you struggle in any area, accountability is the way to get out of that. Satan loves for us to keep our struggles in the dark, thinking, well, I don't want to tell somebody that I struggle with this. What are they going to think about me? Well, I'm just telling you guys, that's where Satan wants us to be. But when we bring things into the light, when we confess our sins one to another, that man... That's where the healing is. That's where the freedom is. And I don't want us as Lighthouse Vineyard Church, I don't want us just struggling with sin all the time. Man, there's too much good things out there for us to be doing, like this block party. We just, we need to go out and love people. And it's hard to do that when we feel so bad on the inside because we're all wrapped up in sin. So if you're wrapped up in sin, tell somebody. Find the healing. It's there. It's available to each one of us. So accountability, it's huge. It's huge. Number three, this is just a, a practical thing, is set up filters. Just set up filters. You know, on your phone, set up restrictions. Um, by the way, recently, I had set up restrictions on my phone just so that I didn't wander into someone somewhere accidentally. And I, I went in there this week to just check on them, and they were all gone. I'm like, what happened? Well, my phone went through an upgrade, and guess what? It just cleared out all of my restrictions. So you got to stay on it. You can buy internet filters too, just software that, that keeps you and prevents you from going to those kind of websites, questionable websites or, or, or watching uh, videos or whatever. NetNanny, Covenant Eyes, Triple X Watch are just a few of those software programs. And if you're a parent of teenagers or even 11-year-olds, uh, you should be looking into this software. 
I'll be posting on Facebook uh, later this week some of those resources that you can go to and add them in. Because if we are going to be a church that lives up to God's standard on sexual purity, then it's going to take intentionality. It's also going to take humility. We're going to have to be willing to confess that we don't have this all figured out. It's going to take sacrifice. You may not be able to watch some things that you really want to watch or what everybody else is doing, is watching. And it could take some money because some of those internet filters cost money. But I'll tell you what, it's worth it. It's worth it. That's God's standard. Number one is absolute sexual purity. Number two is this. A biblical truth is that modesty is a biblical expectation. Modesty is a biblical expectation. Here's the definition of modesty. Behavior, manner, or appearance intended to avoid impropriety or indecency. Now, I will say, what has been seen as modest or immodest has changed a lot over the years, right? There was a time in the church where women only wore dresses, and that's not the case today. And there was a time when men only wore suits and ties, and thank God that's not the case today, right? It's not a requirement. But I did find this interesting. I heard a teaching on this. That what is seen as appropriate or inappropriate in our culture and what is seen as appropriate or inappropriate in the church, those two things are tied together. Let me explain. So so this would be what is appropriate in our culture or or modest or immodest. And then the church was always just a little bit higher. It had a higher standard for it. Now we've seen, just even over the last 10 years, what has happened in our culture You know, what's appropriate or inappropriate has gone down here and gone down here and gone down here. And what's interesting is that what has gone on in the church, that, that standard has gone down with it. You know, what's acceptable in the church today wasn't even acceptable in the streets 100 years ago. You know, just there's been this downward slide. Now, as what's happening in society continues to go down towards nudity and immodesty, The question is, where are we as a church going to get off of this slide? Are we just going to keep going down, 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 or are we going to get off of this slide? I do believe that what we wear and how we dress matters. It's important. 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 says, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. Adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Now, this scripture was originally intended for women. During that time, it was probably because men are more visual than women and how women dressed impacted men. And that is true today. But I would say that today, this, is not, this scripture is not just for women. Because there are women who struggle with visual lust. A third of women under 25 look at porn. And in our culture today, there are men who struggle with visual lust towards men. 
So this scripture applies not just to women, but to men as well. We both, men and women, need to dress and act modestly. But that's counterculture. What's trendy in our society today is immodesty. How much skin can I show? How much can I get away with? And if you want to see examples of that, just go and watch the Grammys or the Emmys, right? That's what gets popular. It's not the one who's wearing full clothing. They're not the ones that make the front page. It's those who are barely wearing anything. They're the ones that get all of the hits, all of the likes, all of the shares. But we as Christians, we've been commanded to dress modestly. Now, the Amish church, they tried to address this many, many years ago, and they created a list of do's and don'ts. And they said, this is what you should wear, and this is what you can't wear. And what that created was religion, and religion breeds rebellion. So what you're not going to hear from me today is, here's what you all should wear, and this is what you shouldn't wear. We're not going to do that. But I am going to tell you that we should all dress modestly. Each one of us should look at that. We should let our conscience be our guide. Not Hollywood, by the way. And we also should let our love for one another guide us. Let me explain that. There is a situation in the book of Romans that Paul addresses. So in the church at that time, there were people who were eating meat sacrificed to idols and those who weren't. And so if you, had, if you went to the market, there was meat that had been sacrificed to idols, and biblical scholars say that it was probably cheaper. And so Christians were going, and they were buying the on-sale meat that had been sacrificed to the idol Baal or whoever over here. And they, they knew that an idol was just really just made out of wood or metal. It, it was nothing. It wasn't a god, right? And so they were eating it. But then there were other Christians who were like, how can you do that? That was sacrificed to an idol. It's unholy. It's unrighteous. You, it's unclean. You cannot be eating that. Paul says this in Romans chapter 14. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. See, Paul was saying, be conscious of what you're doing and how it impacts other people. And I think that applies to what we're talking about today and how we dress. Our culture is saying this, and you can see the headlines for this. I can wear anything I want. And if it causes you to lust, then that's your problem, not mine. But that's not what Paul would say. Paul would say, let's be conscious of how we dress. Let's try not to cause our brothers or sisters to stumble. We need to be considerate of those around us. And that consideration... And that approach towards modesty should drive how we buy our clothes. And I was talking to my daughter, Anna, yesterday, and she said, you know, Dad, I can't even find shorts that are appropriate anymore. 
You know, the only place I can go is to the, I think she said the old ladies section of some store somewhere. And I'm like, I know. It's going to get harder and harder as, as, as culture's trend is toward nudity and immodesty. We have to be creative and find a way to, to not slide down with society. And it's because of our love for God and our love for one another. So that's point number two, is that modesty is a biblical expectation. I'm going to invite Krista to come up here as we move into ministry. But I wanted to share with you a story of what happened to me when I was a teenager. So my cousin Wayne and I, we would get together and we would watch movies to, you know, 16, 17-year-old boys. And, and we would rent movies at a movie store on a cassette, just for some of you that don't know what that is, it's about this big, has two little wheels, and it, you really hope that somebody rewound it, you know, like, be kind, rewind. That was part of watching a movie. <laughs> um, but we were guys, and so we would act, watch, watch the action films, but then we would like to watch the horror films as well and try to, you know, scare each other. But at the movie stores, there were usually, you know, like maybe a hundred movies, not like millions that are available today and so after a while we watched all the pg rated uh horror flicks and so we started watching the pg-13 horror flicks and just kind of being brave and not scaring you know got not jumping that kind of thing well after we watched all six of those we went on to started watching the rated r ones and i will tell you once hollywood gets that rated r rating they, they take it to the nth degree. And so, you know, we started watching these movies and there would be nudity in it and there would be sex in it. And, and pretty soon we're just two teenage boys, midnight in his room, watching a movie on his TV of sex. And I remember one time, God just kind of woke me up in the middle of all of that. And I said, what are you doing? You're a Christian young man, and yet this is what you're watching. And I was like, I don't know how I got here. I wouldn't have done this. How did I get here? And I looked back and I said, it was, it was just one compromise, and then a second compromise, and then another compromise until I found myself where I was at, at that point. It's like the modern day fable where they say that if you put a, a frog in boiling water, it'll just jump out. But if you put a frog in cold water and slowly raise the temperature, the temperature will finally get to a point where the frog will die because it changed over time. And I think that's what happens to us. In our society today, we are being hardened to what is happening around us because it's becoming normalized. And what used to offend us doesn't offend us as much anymore because it's all around us. James 1.13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's the progression of sin. And I've seen it. I've seen it in my life. And as a pastor, I have seen it in many, many people's lives. And when we talk, because they're at the death stage, death of a marriage, 
death of a career, death of a relationship. Because of sin in their lives, we go back and it, it started small and seemingly innocently, but then it's just one step after another, one step after another. And I think that can happen to us. I know it's happened to me. In this area, I think that we can think that these TV shows, this, these movies, these video games are just normal. It's just acceptable. This clothing is just normal. It's just acceptable. Well, when we find ourselves there, I believe that what we need is a renewing of our minds. We need God to intervene and kind of do a reset so that we're back to where we need to be as it uh, pertains to sin and sinfulness around us. That our consciences need to be woken back up. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this transformation by the renewing of our minds, that's what we're going to be praying about today. Now, for some of us out here today, this message you know, may not pertain to you. You may have standards set and you're able to, to stay within them and you feel good about where you're at. But for others here today, you know, you may be realizing that you've allowed yourself to go places that you shouldn't be going, to watch things that you shouldn't be watching, to listen to things you shouldn't be listening to. And this is your wake-up call. So it's an opportunity to make a covenant with your eyes and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start screening what I watch. It's an opportunity to repent. And it's an opportunity to have our minds renewed, have our minds reset. All right, so if everybody, everybody would stand. If you know that you just need a reset, you've been influenced by culture, and you're at a point in your life where you're like, I just need my mind to be reset, I want to invite you to come up right now. Is there anyone that needs to come up? Come on up. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else that needs to come up? Could you know that you Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.